And our text this morning is going to be Matthew 6.33, well-known passage. Matthew 6.33. Christ is speaking to a group of people in the Sermon on the Mount, and He says, Seek ye, King James, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now, we want to take a look at the context of that verse. And Jesus starts off talking about treasure. And He says, Do not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. Key verse coming up. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Very important verse. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, we talked a good bit when we were back on the Abundant Life series about the fact that the way you see things determines how you live your life. The way you see determines how you live. And so Jesus shifts into a little paragraph about the eye. And He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, He's not talking about 20-20 vision. He's talking about the fact that when God created us, He connected the physical eye with which we see things to the spiritual heart, which is the central organ of the soul. I'm not talking about your pumper. I'm talking about that place inside of you where you do your thinking and your secret thoughts and your decisions and your emotions. We talk about the heart all the time. He had a broken heart and so forth. That's what is connected to the eye. Now, when Adam sinned, the eye was still connected to the heart, but something came to dwell in the heart that was not there before, a sin nature. Now we have epithumia, strong desire, not necessarily bad desire, could be good or bad, but strong desire coming out of a heart that is governed by a sinful nature. That creates a problem. Now, let's shift gears just a moment here. What is this word? Anybody know what that is? Kilo. Kilo means times 1,000 or multiply by 1,000. So we have a kilogram in the metric system, or we have a kilometer, a thousand meters, and we want to borrow something from that word. Now, in the Bible, we have that word, kilioi, and some people say it means a literal 1,000 years, and other Bible scholars say, no, it means an indeterminable period of time, a period of completeness. 10 by 10 by 10, 10 the number of completeness in the Hebrew, and that means an indeterminable period of time. We're not worried about that. 
we're thinking about the way we usually use it. And the way we usually use it is, we say that guy owes $10,000 on his car, and that's the way we typically use the abbreviation for kilo to represent 1,000. Now, here's what happens. When we see something with our eyes, our heart takes that in and our heart multiplies it. We may have some desire there. It may be a good desire. We hope it's a good desire. We see something. We see a way that we can promote God's kingdom. We get enthused about that. We go to work on it. Or we see something else and the world sees things that it would like to have. You look at something, you see a new car, you see whatever it might be, but the heart multiplies that. And maybe it multiplies it by a thousand or maybe some plural number. We just know that whatever we see winds up as a desire in the heart. Guess what? If you don't have the right desires of the heart, you can't ever be satisfied by what you see. Because it says in Ecclesiastes, I'm talking about what you see and what you get. And it may be something real or it may be something imagined. Down in your heart, you're just picturing yourself in whatever context it is. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8, it says the eye is never satisfied with seeing. And the ear is never filled with hearing. And what that means is the heart that's not under Christ's control is going to be insatiable. So we see these things and we want these things and there's a growing desire. And we could say C times 1,000 or let's get our abbreviation there. C times, now I didn't get this out of the Bible. C times 1,000 down in the heart equals seek. And what we're going to be seeking is whatever that desire is in our hearts. And Christ says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, let's look back at the passage and let's see what kind of things we're talking about. It says in verse 32, the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What are the things that the pagans are running after? Well, in verse 26, we start with food that we eat. What kind of food we're going to eat? That's a pretty good starting place. You don't have food. You're probably not looking for anything else. And then we go on to clothes in verse 28. What kind of clothes shall we wear? And that's just the starting point. But then, what kind of tent are we going to live in? What kind of camel are we going to drive? What kind of iPhone are we going to communicate with our fellow Bedouins over there? Uh, All these things that are available to us. Now, here's the question. Why is it so difficult for us in our culture today, 
even around the world for the most part, not everywhere. Why is it so difficult for us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? That's the mandate that we're given. But we find that it's very difficult. And I think I've got the answer to that. I think the reason is there are too many things to seek. Too many things to seek. And somebody said, what do you mean too many things? We live in a day of modern technology. We have all these helpful things and electricity and all kinds of ways of communication and all those things are good. Yes, they're good if you can control them. But we have to be careful. Because whatever the eye can see, the heart multiplies it, and then that's what we go after. Now think of it like this. Imagine that you had some good desires in your heart. You want to serve the kingdom. Well, you can whip out your iPhone, and you can contact any ministry in the entire world. You can dial them up, and you can find out what their needs are, and you can contribute right there over the telephone, And you can help them out and find their prayer list and whatever else you need. You can be connected with them. But then on the other hand, you can get that same phone and you can punch in any kind of perversion that was ever conceived of by man. And probably some things you never thought of before. You wouldn't even have to know the name of it because you could find it on the internet. That's the way it is now. And it's a great temptation for whatever we see or whatever the mind conceives of, just to punch it up and see some more. Because remember, the eye is never satisfied with seeing. I want more and I want better. Because that's just the human heart. That's the reason we have that last fruit of the Spirit of self-control. So what are we going to do with this? We've got our eyes, and our eyes are seeing all kinds of things in the media, and we hear about things, and a lot of good things out there. But there's so many things that oftentimes we don't have time, or we don't get it worked out to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, what's the answer to the problem? I'm so glad you asked, because here is the answer. The answer is priority. Priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, you will know where we're going with this, but we have to be reminded from time to time. Here is a jug, and this jug represents one week, seven days, 168 hours. Guess what? Everybody has the same size jug. The President of the United States has that size right there. The youngest child in this room has that size right there. And you can't stretch it out. You don't get a minute more than 168 hours. So what are we going to put into those 168 hours? That would be our question. Well, I'll tell you what most people put in there. 
we're going to have to get ourselves a little room here, so let's knock off some kilos, and we'll go right over here. Most people put first, I mean, they don't intentionally do this, but it just works out this way. See if you agree. Time wasters. Time wasters. Somehow, get into my week. And time wasters would be this. Most television, some radio, junk mail, unsolicited telemarketing calls, wasting time, procrastination, just those things that just gobble up a lot of time that we don't even ever think about. I'll tell you one, looking for lost items. Do you ever have that problem? I think in my lifetime I may have prayed more about finding lost items than lost people. That is terrible. Lord, please help me find this, fill in the blank, whatever it is. I do it all the time. And the Lord helps me find things. But if I had put that where it was supposed to be, then it wouldn't be lost. Now, here are the time wasters. Because they get in there. And it doesn't seem to be anything you can do about it. But there they are. Plenty of time wasters. Then next... We've got the time consumers. Time consumers. You have to wash the clothes. You have to wash the dishes. You have to get up and make your bed unless you want to live in a pig pen or something. You have to brush your teeth. There are just a lot of things you have to do. You have to service the car. You have to cut the grass. You have to take out the trash. You have to do all kinds of things, and that takes some time. The time consumers. So those things have got to go in the jug, and here they are. Some reading would come in that category, because we have to do some reading. I have to read the instructions on the thing. And some shopping would have to go in that category, because unless you have a pretty good garden, you've got to go down to H-E-B and get some uh, and get yourself some food for the family. So this guy's week is half filled right now and we haven't got anything really important. Well these things are important, time consumers. But now we got something else coming here. We better put these in red because these are the time commanders. Time commanders. And time commanders would be emergencies, crises, special problems that come up, accidents, illnesses, those things you just have to shut everything down and do it. I remember one morning we were driving to school, Robert, Richard, Mark, Lucy, and I. I was teaching in a Christian school. They all went to school with me. We got in the car way out in the country. I drove about a third of the way. I remembered I did not put my briefcase in the car. My brains are in that bookcase. I got to turn around and go back, no problem, because I had margins. I had margins of about an hour. We got there early. We got there an hour before school started. So I turned around, went back home, got that briefcase, got down to this little town that we had to go through, and there was a train parked across the tracks. And that train wasn't going anywhere. It was just sitting there. And I was looking at my clock, and I was about to go crazy, my watch. 
And finally I thought, you know, if I turn around and go way around here, I can go under an overpass and I can go the back way down to where I need to go. This is about 50 miles. And I can get there. And I got there just before 8 o'clock, just before the bell rang. And I was a nervous wreck when I got there. But that's what I'm talking about when I say time commanders. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to adjust and make it happen. Time commanders. Oh, yes. Here are the time commanders. Because time commanders don't cut you much slack. They just show up, and there they are, and you have to do it. Well, what comes next? Something good here. In fact, really... The seek first category. Time investors. Time investors. I'm investing in getting to know God. How about getting to know His ways? Because He runs things a certain way and I've got to be in cooperation with that. How about getting to know my wife and my children and teaching them God's ways? How about education? and skills acquisition, and training children, and going to church and shouting hallelujah, all those things that would be the very important things. Well, here come the big potatoes. Yes. Let's just call that one going to church because everybody's got to go to church, right? I mean, hopefully. Okay. This one might be a daily devotion time. Ah, uh -uh, that's not going to work. Can you see that in the back? We've only got 168 hours. You can't get 15 more seconds tacked on to that. The lid, every Sunday night at midnight, or excuse me, Monday night, uh, Saturday night at midnight, the lid goes on that week and you're done for that week. And if your jug is filled up, you may not even make it to church because you may be so tired of all these things that you don't have energy to get up and come to church the next day. Now that is a sad deal. This guy got the wrong things in the jug. Sir Leonard Wolfe was a British historian. He was a publisher. He was a statesman. And here's what he has to say about what he put into his jug. He writes in his autobiography, and I'm quoting, Looking back at the age of 88, over 57 years of my political work in England since 1914, I see clearly that I achieved practically nothing. The world today and the history of the human anthill during the last 57 years would be exactly the same if I'd played ping pong. Instead of sitting on committees and writing books and memoranda, I have, therefore, to make the rather ignominious confession to myself and to anyone who may read this book that I must have in this long life ground through 150,000 and 200,000 hours of perfectly useless work. That is sad. That is really sad. Now, when you come down to the end of the line, is that the confession that you're going to make? That you've got this jug full of rocks and you've got the wrong stuff in there. Well, let's turn this thing around. 
let's see if we can do a little better job of getting the right things in the jug, which is going to be the same as seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, these rocks would represent different things for different people. But uh, here would might be, for Dad, it might be a men's discipleship group. Let's get that in there. It might be a date night with Mom. It might be spending some time individually with each of the children. If you have ten children, that's going to mean that uh, you're full-time on spending time with the children, whatever it might be. It could be reading a Christian biography that would encourage you. It could be meditation on Scripture. It could be memorizing parts of the Bible, and especially with your family. It could be, what else? A ladies' Bible study. Go to Yvonne's Bible study there on Friday. What else you want to do? Write a book about how to live the Christian life. Uh, these are things that are going to really count for the sake of Christ's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, let's put in some more. Now, whatever else this life is going to have going into it, we got the right things in there first. Now, I understand it's not as easy as just throwing the rocks in the jug, but we've got to have that perspective. I've got my hours and days. I've got my chart there. What's going to go in there first that I'm going to really make sure that when this week is over, when this life is over, I had the right things in the jug? Well, what comes next now? Well, next... We've got the time commanders. We've got to get them in there because they're going to be there anyway. You don't have any control over that. So there would be the time commanders. There they are. And then we've got the time consumers. You've got to put them in there too. You can't just let the grass grow. The people next door will call the police or something. So here are the time commanders. And they're going in. Oh, yes. Now, in this life, there may be a whole lot of shaking going on because you are going to be a busy person, but you're going to be busy about the right things. Now, instead of the time wasters, we're going to change that. We're going to change that to... We're going to get rid of all those wasters and change that to the time redeemers. Redeemers. Because it says in Ephesians 5 there, Do not be unwise, but be as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Now, here are some ways that you can redeem the time. You can be uh, driving down the road and you can be praying. Uh, be careful about having a big long list hanging down from your sun visor there. But you could also be listening to some MP3, some sermon. There are all kinds of things you can do if you have a commute and you're driving down the road. You know one of the best things you can do if you have a family still? You can train little children how to work. It takes a lot of time to begin with because they slow you down and you start thinking, I'll just do this myself. It, it's taking too much time to train them. But if you train them, pretty soon 
they're going to be able to take over and do it. And I'm finding out they can do it better than I can sometimes. And that's going to be a tremendous help. I want to show you one of my best time redeemers. It changed my life. A guy in my church told me about it. And here it is. I added a few embellishments to it myself. Yep. Now this is a magnet. This is a pretty good magnet like you get out of an old speaker or something. And you put that magnet in the back corner of your sock drawer. Man, this is for men. You ladies wouldn't need this. You put that magnet in the back corner of your sock drawer. Because one of the items that was always lost at my house was socks. I would come up right before the wedding and I would have one sock to put on. I couldn't believe it. So, after I learned this technique, hey, look at there. Two socks, always together. They are never parted. The most they're parted is when one's on the left foot and one's on the right foot. And they're still pretty close to each other. So you notice I have some safety pins on the magnet. Now, here's the deal. When you take off your socks, you put a safety pin right through the heel of the socks. They're going to be together in the washing machine. They're going to be together in the dryer. They're going to always be together. If you lose them, you lose the whole bunch. You're not frustrated by you just got one left. So you reach in your sock drawer. You get ready to go. You're in a hurry. You've got your two socks right there. And, and they're even the, the ones that started off together. You know, not a worn out one and a new one uh, together. And so then you just pull that out. And it's good if you've got the magnet right in the back corner because that's, way, that's the way you can get a bank shot. And this is the fun part. You take that off and then you just, just toss it over there and that magnet catches it and you never lose your safety pins. That is a good deal. That changed my life when I found that out. I kind of I added the magnet part, but the, the uh, socks glued together, oh, that was, that was a tremendous thing for me. I can't tell you what it did for me. Well, let's see. Oh, the time redeemers. Yes. Talking about time redeemers. Keeping things in their places where you can go find your tools and everything that you need. So there go all the time redeemers. Oh, yeah. This is looking good. This is, this is what you call a full and satisfying life right here. Ah. Yes. A little more shaking going on. Hey, look. We've got room here. Did you know other people have time commanders? Other people have time consumers. Widows have time commanders. What we might want to do is just um, add some more for some other people. Because other people have these time consumers that they have to do. Hey, we can branch out in the neighborhood like the Bairds do. Have a big Christmas party. Look at that. We got another half a container in this same life. When this guy over here can't even get in the things that he needs to get into his life. But not only that, there would be some more time redeemers helping other people to figure out how to do things, especially helping children to learn how to be organized, how to get the job done. Uh, all kinds of possibilities there. 
Now there's uh, another good bit of time redeemers instead of time wasters. And look, we still got the lid on. Now you know what we could do? You would think this is a pretty full of life. You couldn't get anything more jammed into this life. But you could. And I'm not going to do it because it makes a pretty good mess and I can't pick up the jug then. But I could have a pitcher of water here. A pitcher of water about as big as that jug. And you can pour that entire pitcher right in there because there's still some space left. There's space left to carry that living water to people who need to hear it. So sometimes I find myself thinking, whew, I'm too busy. I just can't get the job done. Well, I have to go back and think, what's in the jug? There may be some things in the jug that need to come out of the jug if I'm going to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Now, I want to close with the testimony of a guy who was a dad. And this dad was having a little problem with getting the right stuff in his jug there. But the Lord sent him a sign from heaven and helped him recognize that he needed to make some changes. So you may have heard this guy. He lived in Seattle, Washington. It's written in King James English. I hope you don't mind. Now the Lord hath many mountains and rivers, lakes and wooded paths and meadows, yea, and ocean shorelines and tide pools, which He hath placed upon the earth. And He hath placed them there so that the men of the earth might take their wives and children, fishing and camping and spend time together, relaxing in the midst of nature and enjoying that which He hath created. But there was a servant of the Lord who knew not of it, but only thought that the Lord had created lawns and gardens in which to labor and to mow. It's in landscape business. And he had a wife and six children, and they labored with him in the lawns of the city. And they wrought together throughout the spring and summer, even all day, every day, six days a week. And when the Lord looked down in late autumn and saw them laboring still within the city, that lo, he reached down and smote the moor upon which the man was riding that he might get his attention and slow him down. And he smote it so that the parts thereof to repair it were not found neither in his city nor in Portland nor in Seattle. Now the servant of the Lord knew not that it was the finger of God, but he hasted only to repair it and get it back to work. And he located the parts in Boise, Idaho, which was only six hours away. And he spake unto the wife of his youth, saying, Behold, now I've got to hurry. The man in Boise will stay open for me until 8.30 tonight, but not a minute later. If I can make it, I shall return tonight and have the mower fixed by morning, and I must needs make it. And lo, he kissed her and got himself toward Boise. And the Lord beheld him and saw him go. And lo, he sent down a great sign of the times and a great wonder out of heaven. And when he was sure that he would be in Boise in time, and when it was 7.30, and he had less than an hour to go, behold, even then came the sign which the Lord sent down. And the sign said, Thou art entering mountain time zone. Set thy watch forward one hour. (laughs) And the servant of the Lord was stunned, for now it was not 7.30, but 8.30. And he was too late. And he was astonished out of measure, for he wot not that it was so. And he commanded the chariot to slow down. And he bowed his head in the presence of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord came forth out of the midst of the sign and entered into the heart of his servant and spake unto him, saying, 
it is now later than you think, and it is hard to get thy attention. Behold, I have given thee the wife of thy youth and six children, and thou hast not yet taken pictures of them in my mountains, nor run with them on my beaches, nor splash thy feet with them in the waves that I have sent thee. And I have sent thee fish in abundance up my rivers all summer, and thou hast not reeled them in. Behold, I have seen thy faithfulness in teaching them of me and of my word, and lo, their faith is strong. But if thou thinkest the lawns of the earth grow fast, what shalt thou say of thy children in a few years? Behold, I counsel thee to take thy sons fishing, and pick flowers with thy daughters, and court thou the wife of thy youth, as in the days ere she bore thee sons and daughters. And the servant of the Lord marveled much that it was so. And lo, he rejoiced greatly in the Lord his God, and in the wife of his youth, and in the hearts and lives of his children. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a good testimony from this uh, gentleman whose attention you were able to get, and we pray, Lord, that you would get our attention. And we pray it wouldn't be too painful, but whatever it takes, sometimes we uh, can't see too well. Lord, we want the light in our eyes to be good. We want to be looking at good things, and things that would promote your kingdom, things that would help others and show our love for you and our love for our neighbor as well. Lord, we ask that you would help us in training children, and we pray that we might teach them to get the important things done in life, whether the other things get done or not. Uh, get the important things done and the things that have to be done. Thank you for many good examples of that, uh, parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, and whomever it might be, people that we've known that have encouraged us to live according to your principles in Scripture. Uh, Lord, we know we can't do that unless we have the power of your Spirit. And it means a life under your control. And we pray, Lord, that we might renew our commitment to you to live for you in the power of your Spirit. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.